0: Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you so much. Genesis chapter 32 this evening. Genesis chapter 32. As you're turning there, let me remind you, if you've not gotten a part of Faith Promise missions, let me encourage you to do so. Uh, We have about only $400 left, $400 left before we have uh, made our commitment to those missionaries and also three other missionaries. So I was thinking this afternoon that Faith Promise isn't just for adults, it's for kids too. Why not encourage your kids by having them do chores around the house, which is profitable, work is profitable, have them earn a little allowance, get that money, whether it be $5, $10, whatever it may be, and give that towards faith promise. Why not start them giving tithes and offerings right now? And they can contribute to eternity. Somebody, well, I'll invest them, I'll give them a debit card, I'll give them some money so they can go out and spend. I promise you, if you give towards missions one of these days, A thousand years from now, you'll be glad you gave to missions. A million years from now, you'll be glad you gave to missions. I could keep on going, but I won't. But you'll always be glad you gave so the gospel of Jesus Christ can go forth. So if you're not a part of this, let me encourage you to be a part of it. You can do it weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, one time. But let me encourage you to do that. We have this week and next Sunday before we stop our drive for faith promise. Genesis chapter 32, Genesis chapter 32 in verse 1, And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Aren't you glad the angels of God meet you? There's times the angels of God meet you. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of that place, My name. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak unto my lord Esau, the servant Jacob, saith, Thus I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and asses and flocks and manservants and women servants, and I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find grace in thy sight. Verse 6, chapter 32. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee with 400 men with him. Oh my! Then Jacob was greatly afraid in distress divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels and two, and two bands and said if Esau come to the one company and smite it then the other company which is left shall escape mister manipulator all over again verse 9 and Jacob said O oh God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac the Lord which saidest unto me return unto the country and to thy kindred and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all of the, the truth which thou hast showed, us, sh- showed unto uh, thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he, he will come and smite me and the, and the mother and the children. And thou saidst, "I will surely do thee good, and thou and make make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude." And he lodged there that same night, and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau his brother: two hundred she goats and twenty he goats, two hundred ewes and, and twenty rams, and thirty mulch camels, milch camels which they which which their colts, forty ki- kine and ten bulls, twenty she asses and ten foals, a whole lot of animals. He delivered them into the hand of his servants, in every drove by themselves. And he said unto his servants, Pass over before me, and put a space betwixt drove and drove. And he commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau, my brother, meeteth thee, and asketh thee, saying, Where? Whose art thou, and whither thou goest, and whose are these before thee, then thou shalt say, they be servants, thy servants, Jacob's. It is a present sent before Esau, and behold, also he's behind us, and also, and so command he the second, and the third, and all, and all that follow the drove, saying, On this manner shall you speak unto Esau when you when you shall fi- when you find him, and say over verse twenty, Behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us, for he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me, and afterward I will see his face. Peradventure he will he will accept me, and he, so went the present before over before him and himself lodged that night in the company and rose up that night and took his two wives, his two women servants, his eleven sons and passed over the fort Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. In verse 24, and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of his Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou sh- dost ask after my name and he blessed him there and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel for I have seen God's face to face and my life is preserved and he passed over Peniel till the sun rose up upon him he halted upon his thigh therefore children of Israel eat not the sinew which shrank which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank father we take all that we've Just read now, Father, from your blessed book, and we pray that, God, you would sanctify it in our hearts. You'd help us, Lord, to to understand it, grasp it, the spiritual truths, Lord, that would enhance our spiritual life. Lord, we recognize this this evening, we are without you. We are nothing. We have nothing. We will do nothing without your power. So we just ask tonight that you'd give us grace and mercy to understand these things, guide and direct in everything that's said from this pulpit in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we've talked about in the past, this man named Jacob, which his name means supplanter, his name means deceiver. He is a sneaky snake. Remember, he he stole, tricked, deceived Esau twice, taken his birthright and his blessing. He traveled from that place about 500 miles to go to his future family, which is Rachel. Uh, his, her father, Laban, and he met there someone sneakier, more deceptive than he. His name was Laban. And for seven years, he thought he was serving for Rachel, his future wife, and he woke up the day after, and he turned over, and it wasn't Rachel, that cow-eyed, beautiful woman. It was the weak-eyed woman by the name of Leah, and he was surprised. Oh, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall and see that surprise. Ah. Uh. How wonderful, I mean, how terrible that would be. And so, for six, for 14 years, he served for Rachel and for Leah. And six, because he was broke, he served Laban for his wages. Now, this is 20 years since he has now been in this place called Pandoram. The life is his father with, Jay, with Laban, father-in-law Laban. And Jacob is over, and his family, those families and his sons is over there. In the horizon, is on his way back to where he came from. God is doing a work in his life. But God is going to have to take care of things in the past before he can go forward in the future. You know, dear friend, if you're going to go anywhere with God, you're going to have to take care of things in the past. The Bible says it this way. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. If you're a thief and you've been stealing stuff half your life, you think you can go on with God, you're not going to be able to keep on going until you get right with God. If you are just a habitual liar and you think you can just keep on living for God and everything's going to be all fine, you just throw up a prayer over Jesus, forgive me, all is well, and not go back to those folks you lied to, you might want to start going back to folks you lied to. Before you can go forward, you, first, first, you must first go back. You must first go back. And he, God, is going to orchestrate things so that he goes back and takes care of things with Esau. That's what's going to happen. So we see, first of all, in verses 1 and 2, Jacob's confirmation from God. We know that he's already met God. We saw that latter experience. We saw angels going up and back and that promise of protection and power and presence and peace that he had from God. We see in his salvation at Bethel but 20 years before but now we see his sanctification salvation is a one-time event it's like birth it happens in a moment in a second <laughs> it's it's a birth salvation's a birth but sanctification is the is the spiritual growth and sometimes in the spiritual growth we take four steps back four steps forward and then five steps back we grow a little bit then we go back a little bit we grow a little bit and go back a little bit we we we, we we kinda come and go when it comes to spiritual growth. It's not always a a steady onward. It's not always that way. We wish it was, but it's not. So he is growing in sanctification or his relationship with God. And the Bible says there in verse one, Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. Do you believe in angels? Man, it got quiet in here. Do you believe in the Bible? Okay, so if you believe in the Bible, do you believe in angels? Do you believe they exist? Or is it all just a fairy tale? Dear friend, if the angels don't exist, the Bible is not true. Let's all go home. Let's go to to Sundays and get some barbecue and then go back to bed. Okay, angels exist. They really do. The Bible says that Jacob met an angel. That's just as true as John 3.16. That's just as true as John 3.16, folks. Jacob met an angel. I read a story about John Wesley. Now I read a story about John Wesley when he was just got saved last time, but reading a story about John Wesley, he rode on horseback to evangelize his country for 52 years. I can't imagine robbing that suburban for 52 years much less I mean that's Subaru, Subaru suburban Subaru for 52 years, much less the horseback on a horseback but he did to preach the gospel of jesus christ he went on horseback for 52 years and one day he was going down this dimly lit road very dim road and he he looked ahead and he saw some shadows and he knew because this place was notorious for a place where people got robbed and and he he had to make a split decision am i going to go back and that was just a, not the nature of john wesley to go back so he prayed lord I need your help. I cannot do this on my own. And soon as he prayed, he said in his biography, about his biography. He heard horse horse hoofs from behind him, and somebody, this man, came up beside him, and just he started chatting with the guy and talk, talking, talking this guy, and all the way down this dark area, he and this guys had conversations, and they walked, they they rode the horses down the way, and he went to, after they've past the shadowy area where he sh- a sp- figured these robbers were, he looked back to say something to the guy and he was gone. He was gone. You believe that could happen? I told this to my Sunday school class here several weeks ago, I'll tell it all to you. First night, first, first day, Florida was playing Utah. It was, remember, it was wet that night, all of you who went. It was wet, it was rainy. I, had, I parked a cart, to car, I'm not going to tell you where I parked you, but I parked you the first piece away from the stadium. Walked all the way in front of the stadium, was right there passing out the, the, the gator tracks. It was wet. I was already tired. I was frustrated because I didn't drove around about 20 minutes trying to find a place to park. And Brother Eric said, amen, because he was right there with me trying to find a place to park that first game. Because there was people, people from Utah, of all places, 10,000 people from Utah came to Gainesville, I guess for vacation. I was frustrated, I was tired, I was wet, and I was trying to give out these gator tracks, and they were were cussing me. I mean, the students were cussing me. I was like, well, I can't say it. (laughs) I wanted to, my flesh wanted to come out, and I was just there doing the best I could, and I looked over to my right, and I saw this gentleman, and he looked at me, and he said, they just don't understand, do they? I said, you're right, they just don't understand. I kept on passing out, tracks kept on passing out. And he looked at me again, he said, they just don't understand what you're doing for them, do they? And I said, you're right. I said, what do I do? He said, brother, all you could do is love them and tell them the truth. That's all you can do. A, fun, a fist bumped him, he walked away, and he was gone. Now in my mind, I wonder that that evening, Was that an angel? I'll never know. But I know one thing. Whoever that was, whether angel or man, he encouraged this minister of the gospel that night. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt, as certain as I am standing behind this pulpit tonight, that God sends his ministering spirits, the angels of God, to help us in times of need. I believe it without a shadow of a doubt. So here, Jacob meets God's host and he calls the name of the place Monanaim, which means the two hosts. We see Jacob's confirmation about God. But secondly, in verses 3 through 23, we see Jacob's confusion about God. Jacob's confusion about God. So even in the midst of our spiritual journey, there'll be times when we'll lose our faith. You ever been there? You ever been times and you think everything is going well? Everything is going good, then you hear bad news. Or what you thought was going to happen didn't actually happen. What you hoped was going to happen didn't actually happen. And you begin to lose your faith. All the dominoes don't quite line up the way you think they're going to line up. They all start falling down all over the place. We lose our faith. And so what does Jacob do? He goes back to what he knows best to do. What does Jacob know best to do? Scheme, manipulate and trick when we lose our faith in God we go back to who we were remember Peter Peter who's been with Jesus for three years is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ what does Peter do go on a preaching rampage no the Bible says Peter said I go a fishing he went back to what he started doing at the beginning he started fishing not for men which is what God wanted him to do he started fishing actually for fish Oftentimes, when we lose faith, we go back to our base nature. First of all, Jacob begins to try to no- negotiate. Look what it says. Thy servant Jacob saith, Thus, I have sojourned with Laban, I have oxen and asses, flocks, and men's servants, women servants, and I have sent thee to tell the Lord that I may find grace in thy sight. He tries negotiation. And oftentimes we do that, don't we? Lord, if you'll just give me money, I promise I will. How many of you have done that? If you were honest, probably all of us have done that. Oh, if you only give me a husband. Oh, if you only give me a wife. Oh, if you only give me children. Oh, if you'd only, we negotiate. We try to negotiate with God. It says in verse 6, It came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet me with four hundred men with him. The last time he'd heard about Esau the last words he'd heard about Esau was Esau was scheming to kill him and now he's coming with 400 men and I'm sure in that old sneaky snake's mind he's thinking this man Esau is coming to take my life, my family's life, my animal's life. He's going to destroy everything that I have and did he deserve it? Well he's, he didn't deceive him twice he deceived him twice the bible says a brother offended as harder to be one than a strong city oh dear friend be careful about fences, especially in family you think well i can just do this and be over no people have long memories they're remembered after you die i say to men be careful how you treat your wife she might bury you someday and probably most of us i know a I know a man who wanted to get buried in his uniform, and the wife said, no, 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 I'm married. burying you in a suit, and that's what she did. Oh, dear friends, be careful who you offend. Be careful who you offend. The Bible says... About Jacob in verse 7, that, that Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed and divided the people that was with him in flocks and herds and camels and two bands and said, If Esau, if Esau came to one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. Oh, he was like, Lord, I trust you, but I, 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 I want to follow you, but kind of. Uh, I was reading about this man who went to a, a factory. And as he, fa- he went inside the factory, there was a big sign, and the sign read I-A-D-O-M. I-A-D-O-M. And he kept walking through the factory, and he kept seeing that sign, I-A-D-O-M. And finally, it went to the man who was over the factory and says, what does I-A-D-O-M? And it says, it all depends on me. That's what Jacob's life was all about at this point. It all depended on him. Dear friend, do you recognize if you come to the point in your in your spiritual life that you recognize it all doesn't depend on you? The Bible says of Jesus' words, without me, you can do nothing. You really think you you really think you can control your life? You really think you got it all figured out? Dear friend, a lot of times we don't even know the questions, much less the answers. If you look into this why in this world, you recognize by now the answers in life is not all in education. And though I believe in education, Christian education. The answers of life is not all in health and medicines. The answers of life is not in money or government. But the answers of life can be found in one place, the word of God. You've come to the right place. You've come to the right place. So he tries, he tries negotiation. Secondly, he tries intersection, intercession, verses 9 through 11. Why does he do this? Well, we see he pleaded the purposes of God. Verse nine: O God, my father Abraham, the God of my father Isaac, the Lord which thou settest unto me, return thy company to that kindred, and I will deal with thee. If I had been obedient, to you Lord, I would be hundreds of miles away from Esau right now. If one of that, what's he saying? If I'd only done what's right, you know who I am, you know where I've come from, Abraham, Isaac. You told me to return to my country. I'm doing exactly what you want me to do. So he pleaded the purposes of God. But secondly, he pleaded the providence of God. Look at verse 10. I'm not worthy of the least of thy mercies and thy truth, which thou hast showed thy servant. For with my staff, I passed over this Jordan now and become two bands. He was standing here between Jabbok and Jordan Rivers. Twenty years, he'd come to say before. Twenty years before this time, he'd come this way with only his staff and himself. Now he was blessed with, with wives and, and children and much stuff. Thirdly, he pleaded the protection of God. Verse 11, deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother. What does it say? For I fear him, lest he come and smite me and my mother with, and the mother with the children. He's, li- he's literally crying out to God for help. He's petitioning God for protection. Do you ever ask God to protect you? Whenever Angie and I get in a car, and our family with the, get in a car, to go any further peace, we always stop and ask God for protection. That's a wise thing to do. Man, if you get on 39th Avenue, you might want to ask God for protection. You get up on 441 and 75, you might want to ask for protection. Somebody dies on 75 every day. Somebody's dying on 75 every day. Fourth, finally, he pleaded the promises of God. Verse 12, thou says, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea wow wow do you when you pray do you repeat the promises of God to him it's a good thing to do Lord you said you're my shepherd Lord you said you'll never leave me nor forsake me you said through your word I'll never lose my salvation you you tell me the promise of your peace with your presence with your protection you tell me these things Dear friend. find the very promises of God and remind Jesus of who, what they are I think God likes to hear his word spoken back to him. And he's doing this, he's doing this too. George Mueller, the great preacher, great man, lover of God, lover of people who had the orphanage, was someone who would oftentimes pray the, the, the promises of God back to God, saying, God, you provide for these children that you've given me. You asked me to take care of these children. Now please provide for these children. a2 Pearson wrote about him. He said that he was a person who would oftentimes even seemingly argue with God. He said if we were to argue with God, we were to argue our case with God. Not indeed to convince him, but to convince ourselves of the power of God. But Jacob was still J- Jacob. He tried Next to try to have conciliation, he prepared two hundred she goats, twenty he goats, two hundred ewes, twenty lambs, thirty camel together with their with their colts, forty cows, ten bulls, 10, 20 she asses, ten foals. All as a conciliatory present for Esau. Why to put these things in front of him so that he it might appease him. So an in appeasing Esau, it would not he would not take his life. What. Is Jacob doing? He's going back to his, he's going back to his nature. Instead of simply trusting God that God's going to take care of him and take care of his brother, the belief is true. He's doing everything within his power to try to make it happen himself. But dear friend, when you and I get to the end of our hoarded resources, we'll ultimately hopefully find out someday that God is enough that God's word is enough that you can actually trust the omnipotent, the one that we spoke about this morning from Mark chapter 12, who's the creator, who forgives us of our sins, who wants to save us, who cares for us. Hopefully, through your life and through the difficulties and trials of your life, you can see his power, you can see his strength, you can see his comfort and help, in your life which helps you get through I know he's true but it helps to have experiences in my past to say he helped me here God was true he helped me there God was true along the way he's always been there he's never failed me he's never forsaken me indifferent I promise you on the authority of word of God he'll never forsake you either he'll never fail you we used to sing that song when we were kids. He's able, he's able. I know he's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. Amen. He is able. Do you believe it or are you trying to manipulate the situation? You're trying to fix the situation. Oh dear friend and trying to fix it instead of trying to manipulate it and trying to instead of trying to scheme it. How about just give it to God and let him do it? Just give it over to him. The Bible says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he shall sustain thee. Allow him to do it. Well, we see the confirmation from God. Secondly, Jacob's confusion of, about God. But thirdly, this evening, in verses 24 for 32, we see Jacob's confrontation with God. The second spiritual crisis of Jacob's life. Now, at Bethel, he saw the ladder of the Jabbok. He saw the Lord at Bethel. He became a believing man. Here he becomes a broken man. At Bethel, he became a son of God. Here he becomes a servant of God. He became away from Bethel with a new spring in his step. He comes away from Jacob with a lasting limp in his walk. At Bethel, he died to sin. At Jabal, he died to self. First of all, we see that Jacob was very much alone. You know, before God will really get with you, I mean really, really get with you, you have to get alone. God is not in the noise. Not in, God is not in the, in the, in the stuff, the, the racket, the, all, the, all that goes on in life. That's why the best thing you do during your day, the most important thing you do the day, more important than even cooking food. And that's a lot to say for a Baptist preacher. The most important thing you do the day is get alone quiet with God. That's more important than anything you'll do in your day, more important than your work, more, more important than helping others. It's just getting along with God because that's the source of your strength. Jacob would never get it unless he got along with God. When's the last time you really got along with God? Has it been a week? Has it been a month? Has it been a year? that you really got quiet, I mean quiet. Some people are so afraid of, no, of, of, of quiet, they put on white noise or brown noise or green noise or all types of noises. <laughs> The world is too noisy. He was alone with God. But yet, in verses 24 and 25, we say he's very much alive. And Jacob was left alone, wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day, and he saw that he prevailed not against him. Now, who was this man? This, this man Jacob, this old, carnal, stubborn Fighting, self-sufficient, unyielding. Jacob was very alive and he was battling all night with this man. Who is this man? He was alone. He was alive and he would be altered. He would be altered. When you spend time with God, when you really spend time with God, you will always be altered. You'll be altered. That's the purpose of the word of God. When you get in it, it's like a mirror. Ladies, you would never leave your house unless you looked in the mirror, amen? Man, maybe you want to try it too. You look in that mirror to see if I need to change a little something. I would try to change my hair, but it just was not work. I've tried. It don't work. You're trying to change something about your reflection from the mirror. The mirror is the word of God. When you look into it, you see something about yourself that you need to change. Something needs to be different. That's why we get into it. It alters us. God doesn't change, but we need to change. We need to change. So we see that he's alone, he's alive, he's altered. And now he comes before God. He becomes broken by God. In verse 25, when, when he, the angel of the Lord, saw that he prevailed not against him, Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, and the angel of the Lord said, let me go for the day breaketh. And the Jacob Jacob speaking said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. The basic difference between Esau and Jacob, with all his faults deep down in his heart, there was an ultimate issues where life is decided. Jacob wanted the blessing of God, but Esau never did. Jacob really, really, really down in his heart wanted to grow in his relationship with God. And Esau did. it didn't. Thus we see Jacob... Clinging, confessing, holding on. He says, what is your name? What is your name? What is your name? Remember, the question was asked before by his father. What is your name? And what did he say? I am Esau. He was a pretender. He was a fake. He was a schemer. Now he's finally willing to say, I am Jacob. He was saying to this man he was wrestling, I am a deceiver. Dear friend, until you admit who you are, you'll never change. In AA meetings, though I've never went, ever went, ever went to one, they say, one of the first things they do when they go to the AA meetings, it says, I'm a drunk. And every time a, a person who's addicted to alcohol, every time he goes around other people who he thinks he might get intoxicated with, he will say around that group, I am an alcoholic. You have to admit who you are. Quit lying to yourself and saying you're something else than what you really are. Be honest. Until you recognize the fact, dear friend, that you are a sinner on your way to a devil's hell, you'll never get saved. If you kept saying, well, I'm good enough, I'm better than so-and-so, I'm better than so-and-so, you'll burn in hell forever and ever. Because you're comparing yourself with another person. And the Bible says that's not wise. You have to get down and humble yourself and say, I am a dirty, rotten sinner that's not deserving of heaven. And I'm going straight to hell if I don't get saved. That's the only way you'll change. And Christian, the only way you'll get out of your slump in life is just to admit, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I am filling the blank. And all of us in this room are something. Every man, boy, child, woman struggles with something. And if you're sitting there thinking you don't, you're lying to yourself. You're a liar. Because all of us struggle with something. Every one of us struggle with something. The thing of it is we like to focus on other people's problems instead of our own. Because we don't have the spirituality to see our own need. But we can see clear somebody else's problem, can't we? We can pick it out a mile away. Oh, that stoker, he's not dressed right. Oh, that person doesn't have that right, or that right, or that right, or that right. Instead of focusing on what others have or don't have, dear friend, look at yourself. Look at yourself. And see your needs today. Because if you don't focus on what you need to change, you never will. You never will. This man, Esau, this man, Jacob, finally was able to say to this man he was wrestling with, I am Jacob. I'm a deceiver. I'm a trickster. I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. That's who I am. Oh, and this one, this one who was wrestling with wasn't just a mere man. Wasn't just a strong man. This one who was wrestling with, I believe, is the Christophany, an, an appearance of Jesus Christ Himself. He was wrestling with Jesus, I believe. And he was blessed by God. He was broken by God. He was blessed by God. Verses twenty-eight and thirty. Thy name shall shall be called no more Jacob. <laughs> You're no longer going to be called deceiver. You're no longer going to be called trickster, but Israel. For a prince thou hast power with God and with man has prevailed. The word Israel comes from the word to mean to be chief. He went from being deceiver, liar, supplanter, to be chief. How do you do that? Humility. Dear friend, you want to know the way up? The way up is to get down. If you will humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, The Bible says, he will lift you up. But if you walk around proud, oh, I don't have a problem. I don't struggle with sin. Oh, I don't lie. Oh, I don't cheat. I don't lust. I don't, I don't, I don't. Oh, they got problems. And look at their problems and gossip about their problems and tell bear about their problems. Oh, dear friend, that's just pride. And God hates the proud. See, it was pride. That caused Lucifer, the greatest angel of all, to become Satan and kicked out of heaven. It was pride. And what do we struggle with the most? Us independent, fundamental, Baptist Christians, what do we struggle with the most? Oh, we have the B.I.B. Yes, that's the book for me. But we are proud. The number one sin of the independent Baptist church is pride. That's the number one sin. Nobody likes to say it. But it's true. That's what we all struggle with. Because we say, well, we have the Bible, and we have this, and we have this, we have our clothes, we have all these neat little things. But we struggle with ourselves, if we're totally honest, which most times we won't. This man finally recognized for the first time that it was me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the place of prayer. The need of prayer. Jacob called the place Peniel, the face of God. I've seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. He was blessed by God. He was, if he, was, he was given this blessing by God, but finally he would be branded by God. This angel, which I believe is a pre-incarnate Christ, would touch his thigh. And from that moment on, he would walk away from a limp. He'd walk away with the limp. He wouldn't be saved. Because when you get with Jesus, when you get alone, you are altered. You are blessed, but you're broken. And to the degree that you are broken is to the degree that God will use you. But most of us don't want to be broken. Ah uh, serve God? Man, I'll go to I'll go to a barbecue but go out and tell people on a Saturday about Jesus. Uh, I don't think so. Give a little extra money. Oh, my Starbucks money? I can't give my Starbucks money for missions? I don't think so. Uh oh man, he, he God wants me to maybe be a missionary to tell other people about Jesus. I'm pretty comfortable in Gainesville. Oh, that God would break every one of us. Because you'll never be used of God until you realize the greatest place of blessing is brokenness, is brokenness. I read about this week a man by the name of Howard Storm. Howard Storm, (laughs) he was educated in Boston. Went to school, also in California. Took a job as a professor at Northern Kentucky University in 1972. He said of himself, I was my own God. Ooh, that's pretty strong. I was my own God. I was an atheist. I thought lives were short and sweet, and then you'll die, and the whole point of life was to be successful as possible. I was an alpha male. I was totally self-absorbed. I considered myself to be a good person because I didn't, flagrantly break the law. I didn't rob, I didn't steal, I didn't hurt anybody, but I was my own God. But one day, at 38, most of us are a little bit older than 38. At 38, I had a brush of death that changed my life. I was a group of students in Paris, France, and I fell down to the ground. I thought I was going to die. His smaller intestines, intestines erupted and he was going into sepsis, and he lay in the floor begging for medicine, because there was, during the weekend, the doctor would not see him. And what many thought would take three hours from the die, hours from the die, he lay there for 10 hours begging God to die. But God had different plans. He finally was able to get a doctor, and they did emergency surgery and allowed him to live But during the time that he was in of out of consciousness, he believed God gave him a vision of heaven and of hell. The horrors of hell and the sweetness of heaven. And he went back home to America and has asked his wife to get him a Bible, a book on Hinduism, and a book on Buddhism. And he read all three books. And after reading the Bible, he knew somebody that went to church and he asked his friend, Would you take me to church? And he went to church and eventually accepted Jesus Christ as his personal savior. He said, that was horrible. Oh, it was horrible. I can't imagine it. But God used this to break him, to get him to the lowest place in his life. Well, the only place he had to look was up. And God gave him a powerful vision And he trusted Jesus Christ. He went on to seminary. He went on to be a pastor and write books about it. God saved this man. And dear friend, God used this difficult situation, this wrestling with God to change Jacob's life forever. What does God need to do in your life to change you? What are some habits, some hobbies that you continually struggle with? What are things that you know in the back of your mind you gotta stop doing? That you keep saying to your spouse or to your friend or or to your son or to your daughter, I gotta stop. But you keep on doing that same thing. What's it gonna take for you finally to stop that whatever it is, fill in the blank. What's it gonna take? What's it gonna take? I was a freshman at Northland Baptist Bible College. I'm from Greenville, South Carolina. Northland Baptist Bible College is an hour and a half above Green Bay, Wisconsin. It was a little bit cold for the Southern boy. Went up there, didn't know a whole lot about the Bible. Just know God called me to Bible college. Enjoyed it immensely my freshman year. And I just soaked it all up, man. I was just learning the Bible for me was just like adding water to a sponge. I just soaked it, up, soaked it 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 up, loved it. And throughout the course of the year, I got to do some more things. I got a job on campus. I met a man that I didn't really know very well that was actually from Greenville, South Carolina. I got to talk to him, got to know him. He had connections with the Academy of Arts. I had connections with the Academy of Arts. Got to He got to be my mentor, I got to fellowship with him. I got promoted to a chaplain. I got to be promoted to these different things and my sophomore year looked great I was going to have all these positions of of uh of responsibility I, I was going to have the, the these things I was going to do I had uh, I had some money that was saved that was going to go towards my my sophomore year and everything looked right I got I got elected to be a part of a traveling team but in the midst of the summer in the midst of my pride I broke a rule on the team I broke a rule back to campus that next year, sophomore year, Les Ola, who was the president of the college, he preached on the passage in scripture, and I don't even know what passage of scripture was, but basically the sense of it was, don't come into college your sophomore year or whatever year it was with baggage. Come Come in clean. Come in clean. And I knew that I had broken this rule. Nobody knew, really, but... Just a few individuals, and they weren't going to say anything. And I went up, and I said, I I ain't right with God. I ain't right with God. And uh, they stripped all the titles away. They took away my scholarship. Should have kicked me out of school, but they didn't. But you know what? I looked back at that, and I said, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because if that didn't happen to me in 1992, Marty Moon wouldn't be behind this pulpit today. Because sometimes God has to break you to use you. Are you willing to be broken? Oh, preacher, if it's worth it, it's worth it. May God break each one of us in His time and in His way, so that we will see. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for loving us. I pray, God, that you would help us to see you through our brokenness, through the pain, through the struggle, through the difficulty. Lord, to give up on the life of deception and scheming and, uh, oh, so many areas, trickery. But to be honest and forthright and transparent with you, Oh God, is there any wicked way in me that needs a change? As the piano plays, may I ask you, friend who's sitting here tonight, do you know Jesus as your Savior?